you'll probably know that today is our, our last day in First Thessalonians. Um, but don't turn there. <laughs> I felt not to preach from that passage. So I'll read it to you briefly now. Um, but uh, feel free to go home and meditate on it. Uh, Dylan has provided some discussion questions on paper that we're going to look at in groups from this passage. And you're welcome to take one of those if you'd like. I'll read it to you briefly and then we'll continue on to what the Lord's laid on my heart for today. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 28. And it has the holy kiss, Stephen. <laughs> now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So, I, I wanted in a way to, to um, finish off our, our time in First Thessalonians because next week we'll be into Advent, but I thought, you know what, there's something else I can't quite articulate and the Lord's helped me to to articulate and capture it as best as I can. But something else that the Lord's been laying on my heart. I want you to consider, and you're aware of everything I'm about to tell you, but just the impact and the change that COVID has brought to us as a society, as a world. Our workplaces are looking different. <laughs> you know, we're coming out of it, but things are looking different. Some of you are not going to go back to your office. Some of you are going to stay at home. Some of you are going to continue to have meetings over Zoom. I remember I'd never had a Zoom meeting in my life until COVID hit. And then as the restrictions have lifted, there was the opportunity to meet. And yet at times we still said, hey, why don't we Zoom? It was something that we never would have thought of before. But we're so doing it now. And it's a part of what we do. So it's affecting our workplaces. We're so much more health conscious. <laughs> How often, you know, when you're, you're outside, do you, you think about the surfaces you're touching? When you come home and you've touched a few surfaces, do you clean your hands? If you start to get a few, um, you know, like a bit of a cough, you don't want to go out. Maybe you're prepared to, but you don't want the shame of coughing in front of people or having to blow your nose all the time. Before you would have just gritted your teeth in bed, a bed with it. But where things have changed, haven't they? Life looks different now. It's leaving its mark. What about social interaction? This is the first time that we've been in a crowd. <laughs> 1.5 meters apart, been in a crowd. People, that's right, the extroverts are loving it. Um, yeah, people walking past, they'll be looking at this and thinking, man, they're going to get stirred and feel, what's going on over there? They'll feel, they'll feel something. And you know what, going into big crowds, that, that's, that's going to impact. There have been impacts that have taken place, changes that are going to be in our society. But all that I've mentioned to you is an external change. It's something that's happening on the outside, something that you can see and point to. What is happening on your inside? What is the change that is the lasting impact that is going to live on in your life because of COVID? Not because we had a virus come here, but because of the effect of that. What is the change? Because, you know, we can change all these things for better, some might argue for worse, depending on what it is and what, what aspect of life. 
We can change all these things, meetings online, working from home, the convenience of it, not going through the commute, you know, different ways of living with sickness and, and, and crowds and all that sort of a thing. But at the end of the day, we're going to be a worse society. We're going to be a worse church if we're not changing on the inside. The Lord said, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality. The list still goes on. Envy, slander, pride, foolishness. That's the end of what the Lord said. But I'm sure we can think of many other things. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You want real defilement? I'd prefer to have COVID and not have these things. Is that where your heart's at? These are what defile a person. Yes, COVID will make you unclean in one sense. <laughs> you might be treated like a leper. But are you treated like a leper if you've got issues in the heart? <laughs> we need to embrace people like that. And so what I wanted to do is to focus in on our hearts and say, Lord, these things are changing. Yes, life is reopening. But what is going on within each of our hearts? Is the fire of the Holy Spirit burning brighter within us and consuming the chaff of our lives? And what the Lord has laid in my heart, um, we're going to look at 1 Kings. So you can turn there with me. Chapter 17. Um. 1 Kings 17, I went to 2 Kings 17. And this is the ministry of Elijah. And what I want to do here is draw some parallels between what happened in Elijah's day and with what we have been through. It's not one-to-one, -one. it's not exactly. <laughs> Elijah's not here among us. We haven't been through a drought, but there are parallels and I want to draw them out. Let me read to you. Chapter 17, verse 1. This is the very first mention of Elijah. Out of nowhere he comes and says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab, by the way, was the king of Israel at that time. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And that's all he said. Imagine initially the king... Um, Probably didn't take much notice. Who is that crazy guy saying that? <laughs> you know, the weather maybe continued on for a bit. But I want to posit this question. Why did the Lord choose through Elijah to bring a drought? Why was it not an earthquake? Why was it not a volcano erupting? Why was it this? And I'm not 100% sure, but I believe a big part of the reason was actually that there was a drought already happening in Israel that had been happening for many years, and it was a drought of spirituality. And the Lord was saying to the people of Israel, you know what, you are so dry spiritually. There is barely a drop of rain that falls on this land. It's hard to find dew in the morning that settles spiritually. And so I would give you physically, naturally, what is happening to you, what your life is like spiritually. You will go through a period of drought until my servant Elijah says, draws that time to a close. 
several things happen after Elijah says that. And in chapter 18, verse 1, we'll go through a few chapters in, in our journey. It's going to be a big sort of overview of this, this thing. But after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Three years, it did not rain. There was not even dew on the ground this morning. I don't know if you can feel it. But it's dry now, but there was a slight dew here this morning. Not even dew on the ground. I don't know if you can think back to around, uh, I think it was uh, 2006, 2007, when we had the drought here in Melbourne. Our dams got, I think, to around 20 to 15% capacity. I remember uh, driving past a beach once, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And as I looked closer, closer I, noted, I, saw that, I thought the beach went all the way up to the road. But as I looked more closely, it was grass and it was just completely yellow and you couldn't tell the difference between the sand and the, the grass because it was that dry. That was back in around 2006, 2007. We had rain. We had dew then. And I don't know what period of time it was. It wasn't over a period of three years, although, you know, perhaps the broader definition of that drought could have been. But I tell you what, if no one knew about the name Elijah, <laughs> before he came and pronounced it to Ahab. Ahab's like, oh, get that crazy man out of my presence. You know, get him out of here. I don't know what happened, but it could have been like that. Tell you what, after a few months of not seeing rain, you probably start thinking, oh, I remember that crazy guy, you know, came in and said that thing that... He... Tell you what, six months down the track, you'll be like, where is that guy? Where, where is Elijah? Someone get him and tell him to say, if he said not by his word, you'd be looking for him. And Ahab did, he hunted, he turned over stone, walked in other nations, you can read about it. They hunted for Elijah. And you know what? By the end of a year, oh, probably even less, without any rain or any dew, you'd be feeling the impact of that drought upon your life. It would be affecting the way that you live. It would be changing what daily life looks like. Elijah was at a brook initially, and the brook dried up. You'd be going back there, and it would be getting less and less and less until it just runs bone dry. Where do you get water now? Where do you go? Your crops are not growing. How do you get food? There was great famine. It says it was severe in Samaria, which was the capital of Israel at the time. And the Lord is saying to the people, I'm wanting your attention. Now, I want to say up front, I'm not saying necessarily that coronavirus is from God. It may have been. I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't know. It could have been something the Lord definitely dealt out from his hand, or it could have been something that in his sovereignty he allowed to happen. I don't know. But the effect of COVID has been similar. It has grown. It has got longer. And some parts of the world are still undergoing it even in intense fashion. It's affected different places in different ways. We've only been through it for not even a year. It's been a light drought spiritually in that regard, a light drought of fellowship. And not all areas of spiritual life have been dry for us during this time. It doesn't preclude us from getting into the Word, from having quiet time, <laughs> from learning, from seeing the Lord's faithfulness as some of us have even expressed this morning. But it is a testing time. It is a time of refining. It is a challenging time, and that is what we've been through. And the Lord has said, I will make it this long. That's how long it has been for us. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. We hope it won't continue, but if the Lord wills, 
He will again be faithful to us. He will never not be faithful. But you see the, the, the um, not the contrast, but the connection between what happened in Elijah's day and what's happening now. So after three years, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, Now, now is the time. Go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. Can you imagine that? What a watershed moment in more ways than one. So turn with me over there. It's over the page of my Bible, it might not be yours, to verse 17 and 18. So Elijah, through a series of events, leads himself when he finally meets Ahab face to face. This man, king of Israel, has searched for Elijah for three years, looking at other countries, and he's made them swear, swear to me, you king of that country, that Elijah is not in your midst. That is what he's done. And then all of a sudden, Elijah presents himself to Ahab. And this is the interaction. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Tell you what, Elijah had caused Israel a lot of trouble. What does Elijah say to him? He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, do you remember? The word of the Lord that came to him in chapter 8 and verse 1 was this. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. He's done that. He's shown himself to Ahab. Now is the time to send rain upon the earth. But notice what Elijah does. Comes to a classic and powerful imagery, um, a story in the Old Testament. Verse 19, immediately after what I've just read to you, says, Now therefore gather, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Notice the Lord didn't command him to do that. But he knew this was what the Lord wanted. And I'll explain to you why later or shortly. I'll read uh, a few more verses on. And I tell you what, <laughs> you know, if I stood up today and summoned all Melbourne out here to Hurstbridge, would people come? No. But if there's a man who has caused a drought for three years and you say, come to me here, everyone, who's going to come? So verse 20, Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, this is his word to the people of Israel after three years. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And notice the people's response. The people did not answer him even a word. Didn't say anything in response after three years of drought. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even only I, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the woods and put no fire on to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, that's a good idea well spoken let's do it so they do this and prepare yeah. 
Now I want you to imagine that Elijah hadn't done that. He hadn't called everyone to Mount Carmel. And you know what happens. In fact, let me, let me read that, those few verses. Or I'll explain to you in brief. The prophets of Baal, they set up their, their, um, their altar, they sacrifice, or they, they cut the, the uh, bull, and they try and get the attention of their God. They cut themselves, is the tradition that they have. So the blood flows, Elijah mocks them around noon. They've been doing it the whole morning and nothing happens. And then Elijah, um, he says this in verse uh, 36, when he goes to offer his sacrifice. He rebuilds the altar there and he says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the book of Kishon and slaughtered them there. They were all put to death. I want you to imagine that Elijah had never summoned everyone to Carmel. He'd fulfilled the word of the Lord, gone to Ahab, and now rain came. I ask you, would the Lord's purpose of that drought be achieved? No. Because there was idol worship that needed to be cut out that the Lord was drawing the attention of people of the people of Israel to. And this is simply what I want to say to you today, brothers and sisters. I don't know your hearts. I don't know what's happening within you. But I want to draw your attention to your heart today. Yes, things are opening back up. Things are changing. We're able to meet together. The drought is beginning to end. But have you gone up Mount Carmel? Have you gone up? Have you offered a sacrifice on the altar of the Lord? Have you rebuilt it? Or are you simply rushing back out into life? Where is your heart at? Because, and this is what the Lord is laying on my heart, I don't want brothers and sisters, however long it's been, eight, nine months of this time in isolation and restriction to be lost in us and for the purpose, whether it's God's intention or he's using it in this fashion i can't discern but i do know that if we're willing and open to the lord he will use everything for our good and so we've been through this spiritual drought have you missed as the drought is breaking what the lord wanted to do in your life through this drought have you missed that and that's what i'm saying to you today if not go home and go up mount carmel you need to do that I can't do it for you. You've got to go home, you've got to go up Mount Carmel, and you've got to assess your life and say, Lord, what are the things, the idols that I may have been bowing down to? You remember the very end of 1 John, we went through it, uh, was that this year? It was. <laughs> very end of 1 John, the very last words, it's almost strange. John just says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. That's the one thing he says at the very end of his letter. He doesn't say goodbye, greetings, grace and peace. Keep yourselves from idols, little children.
And this is what the Lord is wanting us to do. Think about the things in your life that have been stripped back through this drought. You're now receiving them back, perhaps in part, perhaps in full. Are you going to dive back into places where you've committed idolatry with those things and put them as gods before the living God? I simply say to you today, if the Lord is God, serve Him. If your other idols are God, then go and serve them. Go and serve them, just like Israel did. We know the fruit of it. But if the Lord is God, go and serve Him. Go up Mount, Mount Carmel and sacrifice. Let me, I was praying into it, and maybe the Holy Spirit has already laid something on your heart. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm just going to throw out a few things that the Lord brought to my mind as I was reflecting on this for myself. And I'm going to go and do this myself as well. I wanted to wait until we all heard this message and then we can respond as the Lord prompts us. But idols that you may have identified or the Holy Spirit may have shown you or you might now be able to see through hindsight that this drought may have revealed to you. Maybe your work has been an idol and maybe you've had that taken from you. You've been able to work in some shape or form or your work has been impacted in a way? Has that idol been taken from you and now you're returning to it and you're going back to bow down and worship your work before the Lord your God? Maybe your social life has been your God and you've loved just interacting with people. Let me say as well, a lot of what I'm going to mention, none of it is really bad. They're good things, but in the right place. If they're in the wrong place, they become an idol and that is not of God. Your social life, maybe that's become your God. Maybe you've been so interacting with your friends and your, your calendar, you love booking it out, you love catching up, you love doing all these things, and you were just shut down like a bird in a cage. And the Lord took it from you in that time of drought, and all you wanted, you were banging on the side of the cage, <laughs> frothing in the mouth, waiting to get back out. And now you're out, and you're happy to go and serve your idol again. If it's an idol, it might not be. You've got to discern this with the Holy Spirit. Just because you enjoy catching up with people, I love catching up with people, doesn't mean that it's an idol. But if it is, take it up Mount Carmel. Go up there. Offer a sacrifice to the Lord. What about your fitness and your exercise? Maybe you love getting out. You love going to the gym, pumping weights. You love running or whatever it is, you love riding, you love swimming, you love some form of physical exercise and that you have elevated as a God above the Lord. It was taken away from you, perhaps in part, not in full, perhaps completely, I don't know. Are you going back now and committing the same idolatry that you did before this drought hit? What about eating out? You love just going out into restaurants and sitting down and enjoying the meal and the atmosphere and and ordering whatever you want from the menu. Was that taken from you? Have you committed idolatry there in your heart? Sports, maybe you're watching, you're playing sport and you couldn't do either of them. <laughs> AFL was hit this year <laughs> in quite a big way. Unprecedented, we could even say. Was this idol taken from me? Are you gonna go straight back and bow down before that idol and make it look outwardly really nice you put up a thin veneer of Christianity and worship of the Lord your God when actually in your heart you bow down to the idol of sport in your heart. Shopping. Do you love Doncaster? 
you go down and you just get your bags full and you walk around another dress, another handbag, another perfume, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't speak that language very well. Are you going to dive back into that same form of idolatry? Again, I don't know. I'm just throwing some thoughts out here that we've been in a drought. These things have been taken from us. And my caution to you is, my warning, go to Mount Carmel before you go back to what you're doing as the drought lifts. Because if you don't go to Mount Carmel, the drought is worthless. It's wasted on you. Again, if it was God's will for that, or he has allowed it to happen in his sovereignty, I don't know. But either way, he can use the drought that we've been through. And the question is, is that the posture of your heart? Say to you, if you go back to worshipping your idol, again, if that's God, worship it. Go for it. I want you to worship it if it's God. I doubt it. It's not my conviction that it is. But test it. Take it up Mount Carmel. Test it. See if the Lord is God. See if your idol, your, your, your other God is God. Test it. If it is, go and worship it. If not, worship the Lord your God alone. The Lord, if you worship an idol, the Lord is able to take it away, take it away from your life at any point. It could even be your children, your family. I'm not saying necessarily that it might take their life. He might just make, make the relationship really sour or something. I don't know. The Lord is sovereign and is able to do things beyond our minds. He can strip us of our idols at any point as he has demonstrated through this virus. So at any point, if you take hold of an idol, at some point that will be taken from you, whether on the last day of your life the Lord returns or sooner, that idol will be taken from you. And it is better to lay it down now. In fact, not only laying it down, notice what... what uh, Elijah did to the prophets of Baal. He didn't say, all right, go and leave this country. You go down to Egypt or, or up to Greece, go live somewhere else. He slaughtered them all, every single one of them. No mercy. If you show your idol mercy, it will come back. And you're gonna need the help of the Holy Spirit. But be encouraged, he is with you. You have that fire within you to burn. May it grow greater within your life and consume the chaff. I'm going to close with two verses. The first is from Romans 8. And you'll know it very well. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I want to just point out to you there the word love. Those who love God. Do you love God? Do you remember from 1 John? How do you know if you love God? It's not just by saying it. It's through your obedience. And the extent to which we love God, being obedient to His commands, is the extent to which God is able to work through our circumstances every time for good. At the point we don't love God and we're unable to be obedient to His commands, at that point, the Lord is prevented from using our circumstances for our good. We know that, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to his purpose. Let us love God. And then finally, I'll finish off um, coming back to our passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, actually. And read two verses from that. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You can put your trust in him. If you feel you haven't got the power to overcome the idol that you're realizing in your life, cry out to God. Learn. Go up to Mount Carmel and say, Lord, I've never been up here before. I don't know how to offer this sacrifice. I want to hold on to this idol. Be honest and cry out to your God and say, but ultimately I want your will to be done. Help me to sacrifice this, to lay it down, to, to put it to death, that I might truly worship you in an unimpeded fashion and that there is no idolatry in my life. Let me pray for every one of us now. And then the band will come up to close us. <laughs> and Stephen after that. <laughs> Lord God, the scriptures declare that you're an all-consuming fire. And uh, Lord, I thank you for in your mercy the extent to which you revealed that to me. And Lord, I ask that each one of us would continue to humble ourselves, that we would see the reality of your consuming fire in our lives, Lord. Because if we don't see it now, there is going to come a day where we will. And at that point, it will be too late to undo decisions and to try and change our lives, Lord. And as it says, we will escape as one through the fire. But so much of what we held dear will be burnt up, Lord. And so, dear Jesus, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open our hearts, Lord. Give us wisdom, Lord, to see the truth, to believe in it. Holy Spirit, we ask for faith to form in our lives in deeper measure. Lord, that we would believe the truth of your word. And that we would walk in the reality of that, Father. That we would see, Lord, take the scales from our eyes, Lord, and show us, Lord, our blindness to our idols and how they have caused theft, envy, murder, deceit, adultery to rise out of our hearts. And these things, Lord, that are unclean and defile us because we are worshipping idols, Lord. Greed, selfishness, ambition vanity Lord we need your help we are dependent upon you to lay down these idols to to put them to death and to see your Holy Spirit come in full measure in our lives in, in the depth of how you are moving through us and how you're working through us father Lord Jesus help us we pray and I simply ask Lord that for those whose hearts are touched truly by this, that we would set aside time to go up Mount Carmel, search our hearts and um, seek your help to put to death things that we have held in high regard where they should not have been. We ask this in the matchless name of Christ and for his glory. Amen.